0: Hello, I'm Hannah McInnes, and I had the pleasure of attending the Cloisters Forum in June to interview some of its participants for a podcast series to discuss the complex issue of plastic pollution. The Cloisters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations in order to tackle some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. My name is Doug Woodring. I'm the founder of Ocean Recovery Alliance, which is an NGO based in Hong Kong and California. I've worked in Asia for 25 years, and uh, we've been doing this for 10 years now. Uh, mostly we work on plastic, and, uh, but upstream solutions and prevention programs. We've done work with the UN and the World Bank. Uh, we have programs that look at the river pollution focus on also metrics for businesses and governments to measure their plastic footprint which is the plastic disclosure project much like carbon and water reporting and that's very important because if you want to move into the circular economy if you don't measure what you have and what you are already recovering or not recovering you don't know how to g- circulate your materials and products. So we are about many years in advance of the market. Uh, Most of the world wasn't ready to start reporting or looking at their uh, plastic use, but now that is becoming much more uh, important tool in the dialogue of this whole um, complex situation and how to solve it. Do you feel depressed? or optimistic? Well, I live in Asia, so I see a lot of the, uh, and that's what motivated me to do this 10 years ago because there, I do a lot of water sports. I'm in the water more than a lot of people, so I probably touched it and saw it more than most average citizen. I would say I'm positive in all of the technologies that are out there that can solve this, but they're just not coming to market fast enough. Whether it's a government issue, uh, approval issue, that the brands aren't ready to adopt it, whatever it is, it's just not happening fast enough. But What are those technologies? Oh, they're they're everything. There's there's no one solution. But anything that can make plastic valuable in its second life is valuable to stop the waste flow. So today, basically, 40% of the world's waste gets open pit burned. That's usually never talked about at these conferences because if you burn it, it doesn't go to the ocean but the toxins get in the air, they get in the soil, they get in the water, and they're they're gone. So we're dealing with all the other waste that is still solid. Anything you can do so that it does not become garbage and impacts uh, probably billions of people every day, that being plastic pollution, because that impacts water quality, health, fishing, tourism, agriculture, uh, obviously ecosystem on land and in the water. Um, And that's maybe more than climate change on a daily basis today. Uh, I would argue that plastic is more complicated than climate change in some ways. Uh, Not that it's a bigger impact necessarily, but that it's very complicated. Today we heard there's over 40,000 types of plastic in the seven families of plastic that most people are familiar with. And to sort and make value of these materials via recycling, which has to be part of the solution, is a bit like the complexity of reconstituting an omelette. So if someone asks you to make an omelette with eggs, milk, cheese, ham, peppers, and then they say, great, now put those all back into their original form, that's pretty much what recycling is. And that's why it costs a lot. So today, all of our basically waste management systems, I believe, are not working the right way they weren't designed to have plastic in them and so when you have plastic contaminated with food the value of both of those things goes to zero unless you just burn it for incineration a lot of people don't want to do that some countries do that Uh, so your question on what are the solutions it can be everything from taking uh, mixed dirty plastic and making construction material Uh, that way you don't have to sort it and spend the time and the money and the cost to clean it Uh, But if you did clean it and you did do those things, you could make amazing products that are used in the market today for eyeglasses, to computers, to car parts, to many other things. Now, in some cases, you can't have 100% recycled content in the new product, but you could have a big percentage of recycled content in the new product. So the goal of all of us should be less virgin material and more recycled material if you use more recycled material you're going to get an inventory of waste out of the system out of the environment and you'll get economies of scale in the pricing of these products which today some argue is too expensive to use recycled content because it cost per piece is a little bit too high that's because of the scrambled egg issue and the omelet <laughs> how much is it down to the consumer well uh a lot is down to the consumer. Uh, they can demand products that are made from recycled content. They should be asking their brands of that. Uh, and that will be a huge driver for changing the, uh, the collection and recovery of these materials that need to. If they have nowhere to be sold into because no one's buying them, then a recycler has no business and they will stop processing that material so if we do not buy things then that are recycled content then there's no market for that whole supply chain so that's a challenge but at the same time brands really the brands are probably the most powerful in this whole space they have R&D money they have the ability to innovate they have the ability to repackage make new packaging make standardized packaging and message the fact that they are using recycled content. Some brands don't like to do that because they're afraid that customers think that something with recycled content is not fresh, new, um, perfect, and gonna last a million years. We don't need that a lot of times. And But the problem is if we're not talking about it, the consumers don't know to demand it and ask for it. And so I think there's a lot of responsibility on the companies are there any brands you think are exemplary, and then the opposite at the moment, leading the way and lagging greatly behind? Well, there's a there's a lot of brands doing good things. Sometimes they're not the uh, the biggest companies because they're more nimble. Uh, Patagonia has always done great work, and they're a leader in in really asking for. Uh, environmental improvement on everything they do so you know we should be thinking about giving more back than we take away and the brands aren't yet quite thinking that way they're thinking to reduce cost and we want to keep the market share we want to find new markets but they need to be thinking about bettering the community that they serve whether that's through better water cleaner air better jobs better products recyclability And so I think there's a lot of big brands that have made commitments for the 2025-2030, their packaging, their recycled recovery rates. But a lot of them say my packages will be recyclable by 2025. Well, in fact, almost all things are recyclable today. The problem is that most countries and cities don't have the recycling capacities to actually do that recycling. So, it doesn't matter if you have a recyclable piece of package or a product and you send it to another city or country who doesn't have the recycling capacity, it won't get recycled and that is a super challenge in the world today. So, that challenge is met by governments facing up to that challenge? Uh, But they're not and that's the problem. And how uh, and why? So, my biggest fear, you asked me how I feel, I'm actually more uh, worried today than I was in 10 years because of the new Basel Convention amendments and I don't think people are aware of the problem this can cause the intention is good Basel Convention basically is set up in 1989 to stop the trade in hazardous materials and waste and uh, chemicals and things and not, not to basically dump these bad products in other countries there so they've now made amendments for plastic trading The intention is good so that you don't dump garbage on the other guy. The problem is that many governments are now being just reactionary. They don't know the nuances of this trade. And plastic, good plastic that's treated well, is a commodity like wood, paper, copper, gold, metal. But if the countries quickly uh, react to this no plastic trading policy, which they're already doing, then Every country will be stuck with its own obligation to fix its own waste. And when you've got importation of products from many other countries into your country, then it becomes a one-way street of trade. You buy all the products, you buy all the packaging, and you cannot get them out of your country and sell them to someone who can process it. not all countries have manufacturing capacity. They can't absorb these materials into their manufacturing sector. Most countries don't have the recycling capacity to properly handle uh, those materials. So a small island isn't able to just set up a whole new recycling facility for seven types of plastic and all the variables for the stuff they import. And if they're not allowed to trade it with their partner uh... then we get stuck with all these materials with nowhere to go and that's my fear that's going to happen if we're not careful is there a sense that the heightened awareness and the fact you know, plastic being the enemy you're saying that can lead to a backfire yeah yeah i think it will i've already seen it it's already difficult to process materials and hong kong is a great example hong kong has zero capacity to recycle. It's one of the most wealthy city-states in the world, and they used to just bail their material and send it to China as a raw material that China gobbled up and used in their manufacturing. China uh, closed the borders like they've done with the rest of the world. They said we don't want your dirty waste, but they've done it in such a stringent way that you it's very hard to get in material that uh, is semi-processed and has value. It, countries can be part of this whole solution story by adding value along the way for recycling, grinding it, shredding it, cleaning it. Of course we want to enforce it and regulate it to be done the right way. But if you simply put the border up and say, "Oh yeah, we can't we're not accepting plastic waste anymore." That will close actually the recycling capacity of all those countries. Because most of the countries do not have good waste management today at all. And so the local recyclers, which you need to operate in that country to solve some of the domestic problem, can't get enough material, good quality, and that's why they were importing it. And so if you make a big machine and you're an investor, you need the machine to be running all day, every day. And if your local collection sorting system isn't good enough to give you feedstock to keep your machine running you augment that by buying a few more tons from the other supply source if that's cut off then the domestic recyclers will also die and that's actually what's happening in China now the Chinese government when they cut this off they didn't do it in a in a uh, slow uh, gradual manner so And they didn't build the local recycling, the local collection capacities to get the material into the factories. So before they simply imported material and processed it. Now they've cut off the importation and all the guys have nothing to process because the domestic collection is so poor. So now they just shot themselves in the foot because they don't have local recycling. So if we were to end on your one nugget or piece of information that you would want a listener to go away with? I know it's hard, but what would that be? Well, I would say for the youth out there, this is the probably biggest opportunity that's existed uh, for innovation and technology and solutions. I mean, uh, climate change has been around for a while. There's many new innovations in batteries and renewable energy and hydro and wind. But Uh, Plastic doesn't have yet still the sexiness of that innovation and the entrepreneurism and the scale and the replication. And plastic uh, and waste is an extremely localized issue. So you can't just build one nice big machine and put it in the middle of the Philippines and expect 7,000 islands to feed that machine. You need one on every 7,000 islands. So you need to scale the solutions to be sized for the communities they're serving and that is a complicated thing for investors and innovators because they're used to going big and volume in this case volume will be repetition of smaller machinery but that means you need to get it into different jurisdictions different mayors different leaders very complicated it's not just a one slam dunk thing but There's hope out there, and and this uh, this is why we keep doing what we're doing, I think. Thank you very, very much. Thank you very much.